I want to call your attention now to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. Matthew, chapter 26. We'll read beginning at verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and brake it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. I want to focus our thoughts here this afternoon on verse 28 where Jesus says, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. The other gospel writers, uh, Mark and Luke, give similar wording. In Luke's account, he said, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. And just about verbatim of that is written in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when Paul is rehearsing the same event there in that letter. What did the Lord mean? What is he saying when he says, With this cup, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Certainly, what the Lord says here and the way that he says it requires an understanding of the Old Testament. He's using Old Testament terms. And without the Old Testament context and understanding, what he says here is, at least the first part especially, is really undecipherable. This is my blood of the New Testament. What did he mean by this? Well, let us consider this and make sure that we Understand what he is saying here. The first thing that we should note is the term testament found here is the same word elsewhere translated covenant. Maybe you haven't figured that out, uh, but it is so. 
Throughout the New Testament, the terms are used interchangeably, testament or covenant. Perhaps in our conversation, we use the word, the English word testament, especially when we're referring to the, the written word of God, as in Old Testament, New Testament. We have the 39 books of the Old Testament, the 27 books of the New Testament. And we use the word testament when we're talking about that. On the other hand, we tend to use the word covenant when we're referring to the promise or the arrangement that is in the books of the Old Testament or the books of the New Testament. It's kind of interesting how we alternate back and forth uh, in the use of those terms with those connotations. But we should understand <clears throat> that this could well be translated for this is my blood of the new covenant. God's solemn promises and dealings with man are called covenants, or we might say arrangements. The word literally means a laying down or a setting forth, disposing, we might say, of matters with regard to his people. When we speak today of a last will and testament, that a person prepares before he dies and his heirs open and read after his death. That word testament, again, is a disposing of things, a, a laying out, a setting forth, laying down of the wishes of the deceased one. And that's the, the meaning of the term here. So, first of all, we need to understand that. Testament or covenant. Now, he says, this is my blood of the new testament. In the Old Testament time, or the Old Covenant time, covenants regarding redemption the redemption of sinners, were always confirmed or ratified or sealed with the shedding of blood. And I would point out, you might hold your place here in the Gospel of Matthew, and look back at Genesis chapter 15 for a moment. <clears throat> Genesis 15. <clears throat> Here we see what is God's covenant with Abram. We call it the Abrahamic covenant. And this is something of, a, of an enlargement of what God had said back in chapter 12 in a more uh, general, we might say a more introductory way. 
when he says to Abram, I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Well, here is more of the formal inauguration of this Abrahamic covenant in Genesis 15. It says, After these things the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And God had already promised him a multitude of, of heirs. And he says, I don't have one child. And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. That is, Eliezer, the servant. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad. We figure this must have been a nighttime vision. And he said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars or count the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And let me just pause the reading here. God has made these great promises to Abram. Promise in verse 5 concerning a, a large, innumerable seed or offspring. And promise concerning the land, verse 7. And in the New Testament, we understand, of course, that the promise concerning the, the multiplication of seed is fulfilled in Christ. And all who are in Christ. And it is my understanding that the promise concerning the land has its ultimate fulfillment in a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Where those that the Lord describes in the Sermon on the Mount as meek will inherit the earth, and so on. And so Abram, in view of these amazing promises made to him by God, and even a repetition of promises made previously, it's... Shocking and stunning to Abram. So much so that he asks for some confirmation. Verse 8. Whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? 
He wants something to certify this promise, to give him assurance of it. After all, at this point in time, he's a childless nomad. He doesn't have any children, and he doesn't own any land. And so here's God's answer, verse 9. He said unto him, Take me, an heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took all of I took unto him all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another. But the birds divided he not. <clears throat> and when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. Thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. What pieces? Well, the pieces, the body parts of these animals that he had divided there uh, in verses 9 and 10. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land <clears throat> from the great river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, and so on. When Abram asks for some confirmation of these promises, God tells him to make these sacrifices. And as best I can tell, apparently, God consumed these sacrifices with fire. That's the significance of verse 17. We don't see Abram putting fire to these sacrifices. He prepares them. He takes these, these various animals, the heifer, the goat, the ram, kills them, cuts them up, lays them out, we kind of picture things being in two rows. But he doesn't put fire to them. And the result of no fire was that vultures, birds of prey, came down to eat the fresh uh, meat and drink the fresh blood. But then God himself comes as it were, in a fire and consumes these sacrifices. 
This was the assurance to Abram that God would keep his word, that God would fulfill his promises to him. It is noteworthy that in verse 18, the verb made in the Hebrew language is literally the verb to cut or to hew. In the same day, the Lord hewed a covenant or cut a covenant with Abram, saying those words. Now, I counted at least 22 Hebrew words translated to make uh, in our English Bible. This term is, I, I think, pretty much uh, exclusively used with the making or cutting of a covenant. It's the word used all the way through the Old Testament when making a covenant is spoken of. And it's interesting just to look at those various references. Let me just remind you of one from Psalm 50. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Literally, those who have cut a covenant with me by sacrifice. As the sacrifice was cut into pieces, so God's solemn promise to man is cut or made. The cutting of these animals symbolized the cutting of the covenant. We might say, our Lord even, or I'm sorry, the, the, the prophet Jeremiah makes these words, and it, it's, the, it's God in heaven speaking, but you see the, the parallel terms here concerning Israel and their rebellion <coughs> and sin. He says, I will give the men that have transgressed my covenant, which have not performed the words of the covenant which they had made before me, when they cut the calf in twain and passed between the parts thereof. The princes of Judah and the eunuch, or, and, and the princes of Jerusalem, the eunuchs and the priests and all the people of the land which passed between the parts of the calf. There was something about passing between these, these parts of the animal sacrifice that was the solemnizing of the covenant, the ratifying of the covenant. He goes on to say, I will give them uh, into the hand of their enemies and so on. And so this is background that is very helpful when we see the Lord say, this cup is my, is the New Testament in my blood, or this is the blood, this is my blood of the New Testament. We see furthermore that the Mosaic 
covenant at Mount Sinai was also ratified with blood sacrifice. And let me just turn to Exodus 24 and read that. You're familiar with this, I'm sure. But uh, now this is before Moses went up for 40 days on the mountain. This was after the the Ten Commandments had been given and some of the early uh, parts of the Mosaic Code. It says, Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord hath said will we do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and built an altar under the hill and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins And half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people. And they said, all that the Lord hath said will we do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. Once again, animal sacrifices, slain, laid open, the blood collected, and some sprinkled on the altar and some sprinkled upon the people. And you can't help but notice the parallelism between what Moses said on that occasion and what Jesus says in the upper room in our text. Moses said, Behold the blood of the covenant. Jesus said, This is my blood of the new covenant. What we have here in Exodus 24 is the official inauguration of the Old Covenant, which is in distinction from what our Lord calls the New Covenant here in our text. According to the explanation given in various places in the New Testament, namely Galatians and Hebrews, here in Exodus 24 is the Old Covenant being ratified or inaugurated. The Old Covenant was Mosaic and Sinaitic. This covenant, along with the covenant with Noah, the covenant with Abraham, and the covenant with David, are called covenants of promise in Ephesians chapter 2. And they're called covenants and promises in Romans chapter 9. These 
various covenants promised something. They were covenants that promised something better, that pointed to a future covenant, that pointed to the new covenant in Christ, or that would be made through Christ, the Messiah. These Old Testament covenants, and I know that's a redundancy, these Old Covenant covenants were types, shadows, illustrations of what would come in Christ, of what would be fulfilled while he was incarnate upon this earth. His covenant would be ratified with the sacrifice, not of animals, but of himself. His covenant would be inaugurated with his own blood. And his covenant sacrifice of himself is permanent. It was not typical of something else yet to come. It was the fulfillment of all these that were types and shadows before. And that wonderful word on the cross, it is finished, is the declaration that Aaron and every other priest before Christ could never say. And so, let me mention a further item or two here. We have in the prophet Jeremiah, once again, promises of this covenant in Christ yet to come, the new covenant the fulfillment of the types and shadows previously. Let me just read it here from Jeremiah 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, not like the Sinaitic covenant, not like the old covenant, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them Unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. I would point out, by the way, that the the same verb in verse 31 of Jeremiah 31, I will make a new covenant. It's the word cut. It's I will cut a covenant. And we should appreciate that as it indicates to us the broken body of Christ, our sacrifice. And I find it very interesting that in the prophet Daniel, chapter 9, when he speaks of the Messiah 
dying, the word he uses is to be cut off. Messiah shall be cut off. It's the same word. And I would suggest that that points to his being the mediating sacrifice, the ratifying of God's covenant with his people, the satisfaction of divine justice through the sacrifice of Christ. And so, perhaps with this Old Testament background, we can better understand and appreciate these words of our Lord where he says, as he takes the cup, and it was one cup, and he says, verse 27 of our text in Matthew 26, drink ye all of it. And he isn't saying drink it all. He's saying all of you drink of it. And perhaps we should mention this also. You notice that in, in this account, in Matthew especially, but elsewhere as well, the Lord says much more concerning the cup and his blood than he says concerning the bread and his body. Because his blood is the epitome of his sacrifice. The shedding of his blood is the very capstone of his sacrifice. It's not taking anything away from the broken body of our Lord on the cross. His body had to be broken. But the shedding of his blood was the the result of the breaking of his body. And so often in Scripture, the emphasis is put upon this particular aspect of his death, the shedding of his blood. His blood shedding stands for all of his suffering and death. Why in the world then would any church or denomination, not even worthy of the name church, but why would they withhold the cup from the people when that is what our Lord emphasizes. And it's what the scripture so emphasizes as the shedding of his blood. But let me get back to the, to the point here. What Christ is saying here in our text amounts to this. The new covenant that was promised and prophesied in ages past, is now, has now come to pass, is now in effect. It is now officially inaugurated. I am ratifying the covenant, the new covenant, with my blood. I am the sacrifice. My blood will be shed and my body broken in death. In a few short hours, 
on the cross. And I will go to that cross to accomplish the remission of sins, the putting away the pardon of sin for many, for all those whom the Father has given me. That's the significance of our Lord's words here. This is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. All the Old Testament shadows were fulfilled. All the covenants of promise were brought to fulfillment, fruition. All the types fulfilled in this great reality or antitype. And let us thank the Lord that it is so. Now, one more passage that I want to read from is in the book of Hebrews, because you know, I'm sure, that the parallel is is set forth here in the book of Hebrews. We read in chapter 8, verse 6, for example, that Christ is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. But in more detail, over in chapter 9, let us begin reading at verse 15, and I'll try just to read without comment here. For this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. We read about that in Exodus 24. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the pattern or patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. I'll pause the reading there. Yes, Christ is called the mediator of the new covenant over in chapter 12. And verse 24. And so I've said all that simply to say this today. God has cut a covenant with us 
in Christ. And Christ himself is the sacrifice that was cut asunder. His body was cut and broken with the whip and the thorns and the nails and the spear. And according to prophecy, not a bone of him was broken, but he does speak of his body being broken. And it was torn and cut with these various instruments, which resulted in his blood flowing out and his life being given. This, beloved, is God's way of redemption for our unworthy souls. Let us rejoice. Let us deeply rejoice to be a party to this covenant, to be a beneficiary of this covenant, this new covenant in Christ's blood. I don't know about you, but I am thankful to live after Christ rather than before. What they saw in types and shadows, we see with the clarity of the new covenant. And so let us bow in humble awe before our God and Savior and let us return His love to us with our love to him.